Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Let's get straight in. Here we go. So we look at Jesus. We look at Jesus' life. What we see is a man who somehow was able to navigate through this tension of being really compassionate for people to the point where he wept, he served, he, he, he was so compassionate, so much love, but also he had this other tension of bringing conviction, of bringing people into line to a place where they find truth and they find freedom and, and they find who they are in Christ, right? And so he's going around and he's doing all these things but, and he's got this tension of, of compassion but also he's got conviction. That's a very hard tension. Uh, we see you know, Jesus elevates sexual holiness in the New Testament so much more than the Old Testament. We see in the, in the New Testament, Jesus brings the standards way up. You know, it, it's, not just, it's not just don't kill people. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, please don't kill. We see in the law in the Old Testament, it's actually love your enemies. It's like nearly impossible for the human mind to grasp because the natural feelings and desires when someone's against you is to be against them, right? And so Jesus comes and he, and he elevates the standard, um, but he doesn't act like a Pharisee or someone who's just a lawyer or someone who's just black and white. There's a passion, there's a compassionate real side to Jesus where he feels pain. He feels hurt, he feels the rejection that people feel in their mess in their brokenness, in, in, in situations where they're even sabotaging themselves. We see him running around with people who are sinners and, and, and they're bringing sinners to Jesus and like, what are you gonna do with this? We see him with Zacchaeus, who essentially was seen as someone who took advantage financially of people and wasn't probably very liked. And we see him sitting with Zacchaeus and going to his home, which was, was, wasn't good at all in, in that culture. It was actually, it probably came across as sin. It's the same as someone seeing you in a bar or, or somewhere like that. P- some people, if they're critical or if they're assuming the worst of you, might think, oh, he was in there drunk, doing all kinds of promiscuous stuff. And, and so this is Jesus. He came in this form. And so what is going on? And if we actually look to his predecessor who made the way for him, John the Baptist, John actually didn't live as Jesus lived as much. He was more towards truth. He was more towards very rigid in his approach to life. He didn't take any risks. He didn't go anywhere that was kind of edgy. But then Jesus comes as he's made a way through truth. Jesus comes with this grace that, that compels people. And so um, I want to go straight into a scripture in First John. It says, the word became flesh. We're talking about Jesus coming to earth. So the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So Jesus came among us. He put the, the spirit of God put on skin and bone and we name him savior of the word Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. There's only one son his first son, who came from the father full, what's this, full of grace and truth. Everyone say full. Full. He's full. What are you thinking? He's full. He's going to be full of the wrong stuff, but, but, God, but God sent his son full to the brim of, of grace, but also of truth. These two things are coming together. So if, if actually Maddie and, and, and if I can get Maddie and Johnny there to just come up with that rope, and this is one of the, the most 
It's, it's one of the, the best examples I've ever heard when it comes to understanding truth, understanding how God works, how God has set life up. And, and so if, if Johnny, you hold one side of the rope and then we'll get Maddie to hold the other. And so if you just hold that tight for a second. And, and one thing I remember someone telling me is that truth always has a tension. What is the truth about who Jesus was? Well, it says he came, Jesus came full of grace and truth. That's his approach to life. That's his method. That's how he rolls. That's who he is. He's, he understands that, that, that what is grace? Well, grace is the component of life which is relational. It's the component of life which is compassionate. It's the, the component of life of love, joy, and peace. There's emotion attached to that. And so, so God came full of that. He was compassionate. He, Jesus, he wept. But then, so if, we'll say Maddie is full of grace, okay? This is, it probably suits Maddie quite well. This is actually quite a good example. Maddie is all compassion, all love. I didn't mean to do this, but this is the way it's worked out. And, and, and it's a pastor's heart. He loves to talk at this stage. Anyone with the gift of healing or, or craftsmanship, talk to me after. And, and so... And so Mary is full of grace, compassion. He loves, he wants to hear people's heart. He wants you to connect during worship to the love of the Father. What was he saying during the worship? The love of God, it'll change you if you can grasp it. That's our first step. Because if you don't have relationship with someone, you don't really have the right to speak into their life because they won't listen. Here we have Johnny. Johnny is the, the steady Eddie. Johnny is structured, he's truth-based. He's like, we gotta have structure. We gotta, we gotta know our way of doing things. Jesus came and the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so what does that mean? No one comes to the Father but by truth, by him. There's no other way. You, you might feel that you wanna make another way. You might feel your desire, oh, well, but I just want everyone to go the way I'm going. I want everyone to go to Belfast with me to the concert. But the truth of the matter is they're not. It's just you and whoever's bought the tickets. No matter how you feel, you might want your car to be a, a Super Impress or a Ferrari, but if it's a, if it's a, a Citroen AX, yeah. <laughs> as much as you have the desire and the compassion and the heart, I just wish it was a Ferrari. I think it's a Ferrari. I think I want it to be a Ferrari. As much as you want, the truth over here is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it, it's, it's just not what it is. I know you're hurt and you're mad and you're angry, but, but the truth, of it. and so Jesus came, somehow he had this, this tension between being so compassionate, so loving, but also being able to convict people with the truth. As a church, for some reason, what if we, we were known as a church that was full of compassion, like we don't think any less of you because you're a sinner, because guess what, we are too. You don't think any less of you because you've got brokenness in your life and you don't have God's fullness in your life. Well, guess what? Me too. Uh, until the day that we go to heaven, we will never have perfection. When we talk about wholeness and completeness, we're talking about where God is filling the void in our heart, which means we know who we are and whose we are. It doesn't mean we're going to get everything right. God is continually moving us forward until the day of Christ when he returns. But until that day, I will die a sinner. But my identity is a saint. I will have moments of sin, but my identity, because I, I, I look to Jesus. He paid the price, he, he wiped the slate clean. But it's truth that is gonna move me forward in life until I look at truth, until I realize I'm a Citroen AX and I deal with that. 
and I realize it only goes 55 mile an hour. Well, I'm going to be hoping for 70 mile an hour. I'm going to be hoping that it can take corners and I'm going to crash into the roundabouts. Because if I'm not okay with who I am and what I have, then I'm going to start. If you think you're the best singer in the world, and you say, oh, I just love to sing. I love to worship. It's amazing. And you think you're the best, and you just want to be the best singer. If you don't have a good voice, the truth of the matter is you're just not a good singer. And you're probably going to find it hard to lead people in worship because they find it hard to listen. So let's get you some truth, get you freed up, and get you doing something where you can use the compassion and the love that you have for God to set people free in what you do have. Are you with me? Put our hands together for Maddie and, and Johnny. You are good. Thank you. Jesus came full of truth and grace. And here's the problem. This is what happens. If the rope, I should have probably kept the rope up, but um, if the rope at one side, say, say, say Johnny drops the rope, and all of a sudden Maddie's just pulling, there's no tension. What happens is Maddie starts to move away from center, focus. And all of a sudden, if a church, if we're so compassionate and all about feelings and all about love, and those things are important, they're good. Love, there's feelings that come with love. Compassion, Jesus wept. Why? Because it was an emotional response to compassion. It's the way God has created us. But if we don't have the tension, you know what's going to happen? We're going to go way off to emotion, too, way too far to the other side. And what happens is we come to church and we don't feel emotion. God's not real. We don't feel emotion. God's not moving. And what happens is we fall into emotionalism. And we're up and down. We're, we're wavering back and forth. It's not steady. It's not, you, you can't rely on that kind of person who's relying on emotion. That you can't trust that kind of person who's relying on emotion. But if we go to the other side and we just rely on, and we drop the rope over there with emotion, we become this person who's truth-based, steady, eddy, but, but we've, we've become, instead of being a movement of God, we become a monument that represents God, but, but there's actually no compassion, there's no love, there's no, there, there's no feelings, there's no gentleness. We're just black and white. And we've become legalistic. We look at people like a lawyer. We look at people just as do's and don'ts. We look at people like robots, and it's empty. There's nothing on the inside. It's just a structure. And that's why sometimes we see churches today and the beautiful structures, but on the inside it feels empty. It's not because they're bad people. It's not because they don't have a certain element of truth, but Jesus came in truth and grace. And so if, it's just amazing to see how Jesus came to this earth and, and he was able he had the tension. He was full of grace and full of truth. Are you with me? We're going somewhere. Say we're going somewhere. Okay. Let's give another example. I'm driving down the road and I see a lawyer, a police car, who's there to enforce the law. Well, what is the law there to do? It's to keep you free. Free from who? Those crazy people in the city and A-axis who are swerving all over the road. Well, what if you're swerving all over the road in your little Citroen and and the police officer stops you and says, sir, you're, 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 you're going over the line. You're going under the, the hard shoulder. You're breaking the speed limit. And you say to him, well, well from the compassion side of it or, or the feeling side of it, officer, I understand what you're saying, but my desires, it's just not me. 
I don't feel I'm that type of person to come under the speed limit. I'm more of a, instead of a 30 type man, I'm more of a 70 mile an hour type man in the 30 zone. It's, not just, not, it's just not who I am. My feelings, my desires are to go quick. What would the police officer say? You've lost the plot. He, he would lock you up and put you in jail. Why? Because you're, you're, you're a threat to other people's safety. Because you're trying to do your own thing. You see, the freedom that Christ came to set us free for wasn't a freedom where you just do what you want. It's a confined freedom. It's a path. We walk a way of life. What is a way? A path has got sides to it. It's, there's hedges, there's fields at either side. To stay on the path, true freedom is confined. There's a way, there's a truth. And that's where the life is found. Are you with me? In the same way, if I went to Henry Ford, the creator of the Ford car, and I says, Henry, can we not change that wheel for the exhaust? I just feel it would be better if you switched them up. Henry would be like, what? There's a purpose for the wheel. We cannot make the wheels square. No, because the wheels won't work if they're square. They've got to be round. There's a purpose for the shape. There's a purpose for the design. And whether that wheel wants to be square or not, it's designed to be circular. Why? Because that's how it functions best. And, and, and well, well, Henry, I don't want it that way. Well, the problem is Henry is the creator of the Ford car, so he gets the right. He designed it. He knows how it's supposed to be. And whether you feel it should be one way or another, he knows its function. He knows its purpose. It's not about being personal with anyone. It's just the fact of the matter is it's got a purpose in that position. And it won't serve the purpose of being a car and getting people from A to B in a safe manner, in an efficient manner, if it's not put in its right order. Why? Because he's the creator. And I think one thing I've realized as I've looked more into the scriptures and looking into the Bible is one thing when we look at the scriptures and we look at life, we've got to remember who we are. I was created. I didn't get to say if I was going to be born. It was given to me. I didn't get to say how long I will live. It was, I didn't get to decide whether I'm male or female. It was given to me. It's a sacred thing. It's a thing that as humans we don't get a choice in. God gives it to us. And so we've got to honor that. And here's the problem. If we look, right, a lot of the, the answers that we need in, in, in life are in the very first few books of the Bible. In the, probably the first few chapters, really. Because what happened in the Garden of Eden was man tried to do things his own way, and that's what sin is. When Adam and Eve took off the apple, what were they doing? They were doing things the way they felt they wanted to do it. I don't want the wheel to go there. I don't want to go that fast. I want to go faster. And what did they go? They went from the tree of life, a fullness of purpose, of simplicity, to a tree of knowledge of I want more. I want to do things my way. I think I could do it better than God. And so what happens when we start to fall under that idea is we start to do things our own way. And what happens is we don't feel whole and we get confused and, 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 and life doesn't get easier, it gets more complex and we don't know, we spend all of our time trying to figure out who am I and where am I going and what's life all about and we keep adding things into the mix and when really God had never intended us, he intended us to be spirit led. What does that mean? God is up here leading us down here and the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God is coming through us to bless the world, to serve others. It was supposed to be simple. 
But when we don't surrender to that idea, we want more knowledge. What happens when you're afraid of something, you try to work it all out. But God's intention was that you would just let go. Let go and let God, trust God. Don't, don't try and understand it all. Life was never supposed to be complex. And so number two, we, we have been created, we are not the creator. And so when you have that posture, what it is, it's a posture of humility. It's a posture of humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. It's a posture of saying, God, I don't know it all. I didn't create me. I didn't create anyone else. I don't have the capacity. It's not my lane. And so I'm just going to come under who you say I am. I'm going to honor your word. Is anyone with me? John 8 and 32, it says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. The truth is the way, God's way. Matthew 10 39 says, whoever finds life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Tree of life. God, I'm not gonna try and understand it all. I'm not gonna try and pretend I'm God. I'm not gonna try uh, try and figure it all out. I'm just gonna let go and surrender to your way. Because your ways are higher than my ways. You're so much more powerful than me. I trust you. You're a good father. I, I understand the compassion that God, you love me, you sent your son for me to set me free. But, but you understand that I have feelings and you understand that I, have, I, I need compassion, I need to be cared for. But I understand that the truth will set me free, the truth will move me forward. Number three. Trust is the vehicle in which truth can travel. See, see what, what the world doesn't need, it doesn't need a church or people who are followers of Jesus going around truth without relationship. It doesn't need, the world doesn't need people coming out of a church seeing them as a project instead of a person. You see, what is that saying? People don't care. People don't care how much you... People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Put our hands together for Finbar. <laughs> and it's so, so true. You can t- that's what we would say, if you're ever gonna bring some truth into someone's life in church here, a rule of thumb is, do you have a relationship with that person? Because if you don't, you're gonna give them the law. Because they don't trust you, and all they see is truth, they don't see compassion. Because they don't know your heart. So if we're ever gonna bring correction, somebody in our life, they've got to know first that you love them. They've got, to, when people come into church, they've got to know first that they're loved. That's why a lot of this stuff that we talk about, it's a conversation sometimes behind the scenes. Because it's very dangerous and sometimes we see it in the media and people make statements on Instagram. And what happens is people just see truth, but they don't know the heart. And so it's perceived as being harsh, it's perceived as rejection, it's perceived, listen, we're talking about people's identity. It's such a sensitive, personal thing which can so easily destroy. When you go to do heart surgery physically, you've got to be so, so careful. It's so tender, one little mistake, and it could be game over. Well, that's the same relationally with people and spiritually with people. We've got to t- we can't just go around throwing statements around as if people have no heart and have no feelings. Yes, they do. 
Yes, we do. Listen, there's some things in my life I, I need to surrender to God's way and, and I keep going back. Why? Because I don't trust God in that area, if I'm honest. Can I be honest? Because it's hard sometimes to just take that wee leap of like, oh, what if you don't come through, God? And we're all the same. Every single one of us in here, there's areas in your life that you don't trust God in. Why? Because that area that you love so much, you're so afraid, there's so much fear in that area. It's, it's actually the areas that you fear the most where you trust the least. You, you find it hard to let go because you're afraid, what if I let go, will you come through? And often that area is, is relationships with people or money, if I'm honest. But trust is the vehicle in which the truth can travel. And Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6 is a great verse. It's so simple. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Why? Because God knew the tree of life is not going to be a product of your understanding. Why? Because when you want to understand, what are you saying? I want to be God. I want to know more than him. Listen, doctors today, yes, we've, there's been amazing breakthroughs in technology, but we still don't understand everything that goes on. We just understand some processes and, and some consistent things that happen when we do X, Y, and Z. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Truth. He's got a way for you. But trust comes first. Trust in the Lord, then I'll make your path straight. Seek first the kingdom, then all these things shall be added to you. Let's go love people first. Let's go serve the community with a serve day first. Then God might work and set people free. But we gotta love people first. We gotta, people gotta be able to come in through this door with all their dysfunction, with all our mess, or I should say, not their, our. We should be able to come here with all our mess, with all our dysfunction, and allow the Holy Spirit to convict us gently and move us gently back in to his best. Right, we're nearly there. So there's a story here, and, and, and these people who are truth-based people called Pharisees, and they've kind of left the compassion behind, and, and, and they're out in, in society, and they're trying to, they're bringing out the rule book, and they're trying to point people out and point fingers, and, and what, they shouldn't be doing that. And they nearly, they, here's the problem. If you get encouraged by what you do, or, then you'll also become very discouraged by what you don't do. And so the problem with that is if you, if you say, say you, you have a good record for a day and what happens is it puffs you up. You think you've performed well and because you perform well, you think you deserve love. So it's conditional love and then the problem is when you don't perform well, you're full of shame. And so you're back and forward, back and forward. That's why Jesus came to set you free from conditional love. He came with unconditional love so that you could be consistently in relationship with Jesus. It's, it's not about your performance. It's not about, you can come to the altar. You can come to God every day, even if you've messed up time and time and time again, because the only way you're going to break the cycle of sin is through the goodness of God. 
And so here we have a woman, and the Pharisees have brought this woman to all and led her before Jesus, and they're trying to catch him out, and they're trying to, they're, they're trying to like, we're going to catch him now because he's going to get the law wrong. He, he's going he's to try and um, get out of this one, and he's going to try and give her this gracie, mushy, mushy, emotional stuff, and we've got him now. And, and so Jesus said this as soon as they brought this woman, who was, an, who was, a, who was a sinner, sexual sinner, and an adulterer, and said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to, now watch this, began to walk away one at a time, the older ones first. Why do you think the older ones went first? I think the older ones went first because they realized, oh goodness, I know for a fact I'm a real sinner. These people are all about truth. When they were questioned to look in the mirror, they asked the questions themselves. Hey, if you haven't sinned, go ahead and cast the first stone and stone this woman. Condemn her. Look down upon her. Judge her because she's not as good as you. And when it was turned back on them, the oldest went first. I believe it's because they knew that they started thinking about all those times and all those websites they'd been on and all those chats they'd been on and all those people they'd met behind the scenes when no one was looking at church. Oh, Oh, come on. And all those wee things they stole from, from back when they were in primary school and all those little, uh, oh, oh, we're talking now, yep, that's right. What, what if I put, what, what if we all had a little fun time and we put everyone's thoughts for the week, last week on the screen? Do you think, how, how, how would we do? Ponty's laughing, he knows he's guilty. <laughs> he needs Jesus. He's got him, thank goodness. But, but what, what would we, would anyone, any of us stand? Would anyone be proud of what was on the screen? I don't think so. And so what goes on, goes on to happen here, they went away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman standing there. And it goes on at the very end, it says, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. So Jesus gave her grace, compassion, love. listen. You're a sinner like everyone on the earth. Even those religious people who think they're better than people, they're sinners too. We're all together in this. All have sinned and fallen short. But listen, I want, I want more for your life. I've got better for your life. I don't want it just to be limited to this sin nature. I've came to save you through the love of God. That's my access point. I need you to understand and trust me that I love you. I've came to sacrifice myself for you. If you can grasp that, we can go to places of freedom. But first you must understand the compassion and love that I have and that the Father has for you. Until then, we can't do nothing. We can't set you free from anything. Because the the yearning of the human heart is to be accepted, to be loved, to be championed, to be taken in with the sin with the brokenness, with the dysfunction. Grace is messy. You go talk to any parent in here that talk with kids and look at their house at about 2 p.m. It's messy. They're trying to manage the sinful nature of their kids going AWOL. Ask Deborah and Patty. I say it every day. And guess what? No one taught them how to do it. Jesus says, go and leave your life of sin. What is he saying? He's not saying 
to be all like a strict, like a head. He's saying, I've got better for you. I've got a purpose for you. I, I want you to make a difference on this earth, not just be in survival mode, trying to find who you are your whole life. I, I want you to get beyond that. Can I get an amen? We're nearly done. Number four, Jesus didn't come to condemn us for our sin. He came to save us from our sin. But it's founded on trust. See, our, our responsibility as a church, as a people, is to understand God's grace for ourselves and understand his truth for ourselves and it's to give people grace and to walk with people and to love people but also bring them into God's best. And it's a bit gray. It's not black and white. We're not robots. It takes time. It takes mistakes. You've got to allow people to make mistakes. But they, they, there's got to be a foundation of love and acceptance. And it says this. Uh, this is in the screen. It's James 1 and, and 13. So some of you are like, well, what about desires? I, I have desires. And they, they maybe don't all line up with the Bible. Welcome to planet Earth. <laughs> is anyone not like that? We all have desires. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else because out of it flows the issues of life. We all have desires that need realigned. The Bible actually says, uh, pick up your cross and deny yourself. It also says, beat your body and make it your slave. It also says, don't let sin overcome you. You must learn to master sin. That's that's why it says, train up a child in the way they should go. Teach them the truth because their body will not want. They'll be completely and utterly dysfunction if we don't teach them. And so there's a part of our flesh that we have to kill. But you've got the power. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got the power. Turn to your second most favorite and say, you got the power too. And so, and so it says in James, we're nearly done. It says in James, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that sin is a nature that we have, but God doesn't tempt us. But the desire isn't wrong. It's when we give birth, we give birth to sin when we, we obey our sinful desires. So having a sinful desire isn't necessarily wrong. It's when you are obedient to that sin that it gives birth and takes on a form. When you accept it in your head that it's okay to steal. When you accept it in your head that it's okay to go past the speed limit because it's just me, it's just how I feel, it's just my desires. Then that's where it starts to take root. And so I've got a video test because obviously in today's world now we're seeing a lot of stuff and, and we've got to be very, very careful with this stuff because we don't, God loves every one of us. We're all, we've all fallen short. And so, you know, we see a lot of stuff going on with the LGBT stuff and in the community and all that kind of stuff. And listen, God loves everyone. <laughs> it's, it's, he leveled the playing field. But I just want to, I, I want us to understand that God is bigger than we think he is. And I think too often we think, 
And we put too much pressure on people and not enough pressure on God. Pressure on people to perform. So I've got, I, I was on this website, it's called, there, there's, a, there's a, a group on, on Facebook at the minute called, they call it Freedom Week. I encourage you to, le- to watch it. They're doing these, uh, Freedom March, sorry, all throughout the States at the minute, major cities, and they're having this Freedom March, and they're not going to condemn people. They're not going to uh, look down upon people. They're, they're going just to share, this is what Jesus done in my life. Maybe he could do it in yours. That's it. Love. Truth. And so uh, there's a guy here, and I just want to, to play his video here. It'll be about five minutes, but I think it's, it's worth the watch. Come on, put our hands together for God right there. It's very interesting what he said there. He said, I didn't pray for God just to change my desires. I prayed, God, I deny myself. I give up my rights. That's where the freedom comes. I'm, I'm born again. That's powerful. But what happened was God came in his compassion and his love in his sin Listen, he's no different to any other sinner sitting here, standing here today. But God had better for him in his life. But, but that's, I believe, a great example. And so here we have a, a verse in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 7 to 12. And look through the filter now that we've kind of set up. It says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexual, sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor or sorry, idolaters or adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. So this was happening back then too. God was changing people's lives the same way he was changing anyone else's life back then too. Is that it? But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, I have the right to do anything. But, but you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So the grace of God allows us, even though we're sinners, to do anything. But it's not beneficial for our purpose and for what God's called us to do on this earth. You see, what is the kingdom of God? What's it really talking about? It actually says in the book of Romans, um, what is the kingdom of God? Some people talk about different things. The kingdom of God, it says, is not a matter of eating or drinking, but a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Some people have made that about heaven and hell. Well, I read in the Bible, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So to me, what Jesus is saying, listen, I've got better for you. I love you. I'm bigger than your sin. You'll die a sin, with sin in your life because you're not in your perfect whole form, but, I, but, I, but I've got better for you right now. I want you to make a difference with your life. Look at this guy here. He went through some stuff. It was deep. It was heavy. He speak, I'm, I'm showing him here in Ireland where God spoke to him. Throughout all the earth. Why? Because the, the bigger the battle, the bigger the blessing. Come on, put our hands together for God this morning. And so as the band come ahead on up, oh boy. To, to, to me, I just think it's, it's we gotta simplify. It was never supposed to be complex. And, and when man gets in the way and we go to the tree of knowledge and try to work it all out and do our own thing, you can do that the rest of your life if you want. It's your choice. 
God's not a forcer. God's not going to force you to do anything. He's give you free will. And, but I'm telling you, God has got better for us. And listen, that looks to some of us like some of us are greedy. And the Holy Spirit is convicting you about wanting to hold on to all of your, your possessions and your resources. And why? Because you're afraid, what if, if I don't have that, I mightn't be happy. If I don't have that, I mightn't feel safe. God wants you to trust him. And that's why we have tithes and offerings. Why? Not because God made, God made the heavens and the stars and the moon. It's about trust. Some of, some of us, we don't want to come close to some people because we're afraid of rejection. And, and because we're too afraid that our identity is so wrapped up in people that, that if someone does reject us, which they might, that that will crush us so much that, that we won't be able to get back up. But, but, but boy, if we could just understand God's love, if we could begin to deny the fears of the flesh, if we could, den- we, we, we could deny that negative part of us, th- then guess, guess what, what I realize is that a dead person cannot die twice. You can't hurt a dead person. If that flesh man in me has, has been surrendered to death, and a new person has rose again, the spirit man, then well, all of a sudden you can't offend me because I'm dead to pleasing people. I'm alive to pleasing God. And somehow when we're alive to pleasing God, God gives us people anyhow. Seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things. It's powerful. It sets people free. It changes your life. All of a sudden, a person who comes in feeling weak and, and, and weary and not good enough and not sure I'm accepted and loved here, all of a sudden someone, when they experience the power and the love of God and in a community of God that gets grace, will walk out of here with their chest held high, will walk out of here with confidence, will walk out of here not with confidence based on what man says, but what God says. Well, how do you keep it, Phil? You be in the presence of God on a daily basis, you surrender to that covenant that you make with the Father, that I'm dead to sin. I'm alive in Christ. I'm not gonna let the fear hold me back any longer. I'm not gonna let the rejection hold me back any longer. I'm gonna rise again as Christ rose. And I'm gonna make a difference on this earth. And receive the love of God, I'm gonna walk in his truth. And his great days ahead. Amen. Go ahead and stand. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. Just maybe some things I'm not even talking about. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you, and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we'll see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast.